Hello and welcome to the rest of season top 150 show. First rest of season top 150 show of the 2023 season. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday, we will be here to discuss, you guessed it, yes, our rest of season top 150 rankings and how that plays into the season-long trade market, perhaps the rest of season best ball market, buy lows, sell highs, etc. For this today, I am joined by two members of our projections team. You know them, you love them. It is Mark Dankenbring and Jack Miller. Going great. I mean, always love week one. You know, we finally get some information after long off season of speculation. And, uh, you know, Jack and I have been working on projections back since April and May. So always great to have some some real data to go off of. And, you know, excited to, to look forward to the rest of the season and, and talk with you guys about what we've got today. Speaking of real data, I mean, I think people who are too slow to adjust their priors off of what we saw in week one are going to get left behind. Obviously, there's some guys that we talk about, um, and a lot of it is going to be usage-based rather than actual production-based. But I think on usage stuff and on some other things, I do think it's important to react very early and very quickly. And that has been compounded this year by having such an awesome waiver wire in week one. Like, I think being aggressive with your team early this year Certainly makes a lot, lot of sense. Jack, looks like he's got a haircut. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, going well. I got a haircut last week. Uh, I'm excited to be here and, and talk some rest of the season rankings. I know. All the kids Jack's age now have these like like perms and like mullets going on. It's crazy, man. Uh, yeah, wild world out there. Anyways, all right. As I said, each week we do a rest of season top 150 rankings. We put an incredible ton amount of work into this led by Mark, but our entire team chips in. We take this very, very seriously. This is not some BS list that we pull out of our ass. You can get access to our rest of season top 150 through DraftKit Pro or the in-season package. Let me tech lord this little promo graphic that we have here if I can find it. Yes, everything that you need for the in-season, including the rest of season top 150 is in here on today's show, we, we are going to throw out some trade ideas that we have at the end. We're also going to take the last five or 10 minutes of this show to take your questions. If you do not have the in-season package yet, you need to rectify that so you have access to all our content, projection, rankings, shows, head to establishtherun.com forward slash subscribe. All right, guys, I, I want to start with Jacksonville stuff. First, the Christian Kirk situation and second, Travis Etienne. I'll start with you, Mark, on Christian Kirk. We were a bit high, higher than market on Christian Kirk. We were well aware that there was a chance that Christian Kirk would no longer be out there in all three wide receiver sets because Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones were going to play in two wide receiver sets. I think the concerning part of week one was that Jacksonville was not in three wide as much as we thought that they would be, and therefore Christian Kirk ran roughly 10 less routes. If you have Christian Kirk on your team, Mark, how panicked are you right now? I'm not even sure that you could trade this guy right now after what happened in week one. So how would you be thinking about Christian Kirk right now? Well, as you mentioned, we we were high on Christian Kirk this offseason, and so therefore I have Christian Kirk on a handful of season-long teams. And at this point, um, you know, in 12-team leagues or higher, I, I have him in one 10-team league where – you know, I'm definitely not starting him. Uh, would consider potentially dropping him in a 10-team league just because, as you mentioned, he's only out there running in three wide receiver sets. And so at that point, you know, we we probably can't project more than like five or six 
targets per week as long as that holds moving forward. So uh, in 12-team leagues, you know, I, I don't feel great about starting him. Um, he, they have a matchup against Kansas City this week, which I think yeah. is really interesting. You know, we could see the passing game elevate here and, and kind of turn into a shootout potentially against against Kansas City. And, you know, I think in terms of like looking at it optimistically, the Jaguars defense, I, I think we're expecting to struggle this season. So I think this passing game will be in uh, more shootouts, you know, than than league average. And so Kirk could still produce in those. So uh, as you mentioned, I don't think you can really sell low on him just because, you know, it's not like he ran uh, you know, not as many routes as we were expecting and produced with it. He only had, I think, one catch for nine yards. So you can't even sell any sort of production there. So at this point, I'm I'm nervously holding and, you know, hoping things go his way a little more. But uh, certainly it's not the best outlook for Christian Kirk right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I would say, more confidently holding Christian Kirk right now. As Mark said, home against the Chiefs next week, home against the Texans in week three, home against the Falcons in week four, and then home against the Bills in week Five, they have it's an incredible amount of home games. Is this even possibly correct? And then they play the Colts in week six. I mean, these are all, I think, pretty good spots for Christian Kirk. I think that Zay Jones is probably better than people give him credit for. And we were a little bit higher than market on Zay Jones also, which certainly helped. I do have some Zay Jones. We have moved Zay Jones up from where we had him in the rest of season. In, in the our original rankings, our Kirk to Zay Jones gap is now smaller. But yeah, I, I'm holding Christian Kirk. He's just a good player in a very good offense that I think will have some very good game environments going forward. A guy that we moved up a ton at the running back position, Jack, is Travis Etienne. Now, there was worry that Travis Etienne was your classic, quote-unquote, dead zone back because Tank Bigsby was a threat at the goal line, which came true. And there were other guys that were threats, Bigsby, Hasty, whoever else that were threat in the pass game. Turns out in week one, Travis Etienne sets career highs in routes run, Travis Etienne sets career high in snap rate. Yeah, Bigsby got a couple goal line touches, but this was almost as good as it could go, I think, for Travis Etienne. We have moved him into the top 20. And man, I, I know that we struggle with these fourth round running backs. I, I just always thought he was a very, very explosive runner and it's just going to like be too good not to be on the field in some of these high leverage situations. So would feel good about having Travis Etienne right now. How would you handle Travis Etienne if you have him now, Jack? Yeah, I view it pretty similarly. Um, he ran 30 routes on 35 Trevor Lawrence dropbacks, which is easily a career high in route participation. Last year, I know that something Mark and I struggled with when doing the projections is ETN would run a decent amount of routes every game, but he just would not earn targets. In week one, he had a 15.6% target share. I, I think if that continues, even if he's not getting the goal line looks, uh, even if Bigsby's getting that work, he's going to be a pretty easy RB1. And then I think it also helps that Tank Bigsby, it was the first game of his career, so maybe his his usage goes up in the coming games, but it's not like he played well. He had an interception go through his hands, and then he had another fumble on a play that he thought the play was dead, and the Colts just punched it out of his hands. Meanwhile, Etienne had a, a 30-yard touchdown to basically put the put the icing on the cake at the end of the game. Um, so I'm with you on Etienne. I think it's wheels up. I think the receiving usage and the target share was something that we really needed to see to pump him up. And, and he got that in week one. Yeah. I mean, it's tough from a transaction standpoint on ETN because if people have them, they're probably not trading him anyway. So it's tough for a transaction on ETN, but certainly would feel good about having him. Place where we could make some transactions is within the Chiefs mark because we saw some strange usage or at least um, I don't think I expected it to be strange. I don't know exactly how it would be strange for the Chiefs, but I expected it 
to be strange, one of the strange things, or not strange, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire playing a little bit more than we thought he would. Now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, to me, is going to get phased out. Like, Pacheco missed all of training camp with shoulder and hip issues. CEH ran as a starter for all of camp, all of the preseason games. So, yeah, of course he's going to come out and play 15-plus snaps in week one. I still don't think they want to do that to him. So you see we have Isaiah Pacheco here at 79 overall. We no longer have CEH or McKinnon in our top 150. Mark, what do you think about transactions around Chiefs running backs right now? I think Pacheco is is a sneaky, uh, you know, buy low right now. He certainly didn't have like an amazing game in week one, but I think the the um, utilization signals, you know, potential uh, pass uh, increase in passing game work for him. He ran 42 percent of the routes, which isn't very much. You know, Jack mentioned ETN was was the leader of the week around 83 percent, so about half of that. But that was more than Jarek McKinnon. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, the the Chiefs. We were kind of expecting to bring Pacheco along slowly based on his preseason injuries. So we saw the the Chiefs lean into Pacheco as as the clear RB one down the stretch last year and into the playoffs. And uh, so I think you know as the season goes along, Pacheco's going to become a very solid. RB2. Um, you know, obviously with Patrick Mahomes there, they're going to continue to throw the ball a lot, but I'm encouraged by Pacheco's usage in the passing game. He saw four targets. And then when we look at Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, he's quietly 31 years old and has multiple major injuries in his past. So I think the Chiefs are going to continue to just kind of move him along slowly. And, and I think we can bank on Pacheco being the workhorse here in Kansas City. Uh, and then you mentioned CEH was a little more involved in week one, but we know who he is at this point, And I think he's going to get phased out as the season goes along. So I'd be, I'd be interested in kind of buying a little bit low here on, on Pacheco. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one for sure. Buy low on Isaiah Pacheco, the wide receiver situation, Jack. I mean, I understand why. And listen, like all of us contribute to this. I would personally have Kadarius Tony lower. And I think that the Chiefs are obsessed with this guy. I know that they tried to trade for him, couldn't get it done, tried to trade for him again, gave up a third-round pick to get him, gave him 27 targets on 85 routes last year, which is completely ridiculous, run a gadget play for him at the goal line in week one, ends up with five targets in week one despite having one of the worst possible games you could ever see. I, I think that the Chiefs are in love with this guy. I don't know that he can actually execute, right? And the narrative always goes back to with Chiefs wide receivers. Oh, He's out there with Patrick Mahomes. He can't fail. I got news for you, buddy. These guys can fail. They, they, all these guys can fail. Okay. So I am, I, I'm not that interested in any of these guys, but if somebody wants to give me much for Kadarius Tony right now, I might consider it. If Rasheed Rice is on waivers, that is one that I would certainly do. And yeah, I think the Sky Moore face plant after his rookie year into what happened on Monday night when Travis Kelsey doesn't play and Sky Moore only gets three targets. That is a massive red flag. So I feel like there's still a narrative out there that you can, these guys have value and you can trade them for something solid because they're attached to Patrick Mahomes. Am I too low here on Chiefs wide receivers here, Jack? For, first, I do think Rasheed Rice would be the guy I'd be trying to go out and target just because he played a little bit uh, in his first game and he played well, or at least better than any of the other Chiefs receivers. I'm a, I, I think Tony is someone that a lot of people are just going to outright drop this week, especially after how bad he played. I think like playing so terribly in a, in a big primetime game um, for a guy that a lot of people already just did not like. I think a lot of people are just going to be done with him and you can get him for dirt cheap. 
And I do think the Chiefs like him a lot. They were talking up all offseason how they want to use him in a full-time role. Obviously, it was his first game back after an injury in August. Um, so I think it makes sense that they eased him in. I could see Tony's role growing, at least from a, a routes perspective. Um, so I'm not totally out on him just because he's so cheap. I, I agree with you that it's unlikely any of these guys are going to post the top 24 season, but I think all of them are cheap enough that you don't have to completely give up at this point, especially since we saw good things from Rice in his first career game. Um, and then Tony, the, just the, the constant drumbeat from the offseason before he got injured, I, I think is encouraging enough to at least give him a roster spot. Interesting question here. I know we already talked about Christian Kirk. We didn't talk about Drake London yet. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with Drake London now in full-blown panic mode. Um, I think that the Falcons are going to get into games where they must throw the ball more. In those games, Drake London can see he has the ability, we've seen it, to earn 25 to 30% of the targets. The problem right now is not only are the Falcons playing very slow. Not only are the Falcons playing the most absurd run-heavy stuff you can imagine, but Bijan Robinson is now taking targets. Cordell Patterson's going to be back to taking targets. And Mac Hollins, who everybody laughed at, Mac Hollins was more of the first read than Drake London was in week one. So listen, man, this is not a fantasy question. The way the Falcons are utilizing their draft capital is absolutely ridiculous. I'd still rather have Drake London then Christian Kirk, but any thoughts on Drake London going forward? If you have him, Mark, and what do you think about this trade here? Uh, Light of Truth says, should I trade Christian Kirk for Drake London straight up? Yeah, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope on London. I just think, you know, second year wide receiver, huge frame, 6'3", 6'4", over 200 pounds. You know, like the, the type of prospect we want to continue to bet on in fantasy football. So I'm still holding a bit on London. I, I agree. I'd probably prefer him straight up over Kirk just with his physical profile. And, um, you know, the Falcons, it's, it's certainly tough. Um, to, to diagnose there just because they do have Bijan and Algier and, and we know Arthur Smith wants to run the ball. So the volume is going to be inconsistent each week, but I think you can say the same thing about Christian Kirk with the way he's being deployed. So I'd, I'd rather bet on talent a little bit and, and keep Drake London there. Yeah. Sorry for the uh, sirens in the background there. Yet another murder in Mark's backyard. Uh, no big deal. It's going um, crazy here. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you look at the top 150, we do have Drake London still 56th overall. We have Christian Kirk. 75 overall and so you know on questions like that i'd really encourage people to uh go ahead and consult the top 150. let's keep it moving here to vikings pass game i mean this role that vikings pass game has given the way kirk cousins plays given they have 11 dome games they already had one given that their defense is so so bad i mean i've been in on minnesota guys the Hawkinson stuff isn't great because all his targets are so short and he's not really doing much after the catch. But tight ends who can get 8, 9, 10 targets consistently are so, so, so valuable. We've kind of held strong with our TJ Hawkinson ranking here at 45. The rest of them, though, Addison, KJ Osborne, I mean, they're just out there so much. So, Mark, I know you wanted to talk about this one. What do you think about transactions you can make around Vikings pass game right now? 
I just wanted to note how how condensed the Vikings were. I mean, they they were the only team in the NFL to play only three wide receivers in week one, which I think is just a huge, huge boost to uh, Jordan Addison, especially, you know, we expect him to take over more of a role from KJ Osborne. But I even think in leagues where you start three wide receivers in a flex, like I, I think KJ Osborne is worth a pickup and potential stash because we know the Vikings want to throw the ball, you know, almost as much as any team in the league. And, and so the fact we can get this condensed target share is just an even bigger plus uh, when looking at their players for fantasy. So, you know, we've, we kind of heard all off season that uh, the, the wide receiver two role is going to be great there because Justin Jefferson soaks up so much attention from the defense. And I think that's really going to play out. Um, you know, you mentioned that the target shaver Hawkinson was strong despite the low dot, And this is just a passing offense that I really want to invest in and, and would be willing to, you know, they had a good week one, so it's kind of buying high a little bit, but based on how condensed they are and, and how they want to play, I'm, I'm willing to buy high on these guys. Yeah. It's so crazy. And especially for like, for DFS stuff, you know, like, knowing if a quarterback hits how it hits is so 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 valuable and like you know in the viking stacks how it's going to hit it's going to be jefferson and probably one of these other secondary guys if kirk cousins really does go off a couple by low wide receivers that seem pretty obvious i think jack t higgins airballed on eight targets in week one and also Jaden jalen waddle did not have a great game four for 78 despite to it took going off here let's start with the Miami stuff um I think that perhaps Jalen Waddle's week-to-week target share is a little out of touch or a little out of perspective for a lot of people however he can have massive massive games and Jalen Waddle is like the guy the kind of player I want to have on my team I would note that Braxton Berrios and River Craycraft combined for 10 targets in that game against the Chargers. I do not expect that to be the case going forward. That's not the way that we are going to project it. We are still going to have plenty of targets for Jalen Waddle. I also know that Durham Smythe had a really good pass game role uh, in week one. I don't think he's good enough to earn targets at the expense of Jalen Waddle. So I thought it was a bit fluky. They had an awesome matchup going for Tyreek and kept going to it. I think Jalen Waddle is an awesome, awesome, awesome by low jack any thoughts on that one and maybe i don't know any players that you would be giving up to get Jalen waddle yeah i do think that a lot of people are aren't really cognizant of just how far ahead tyree kill is in targets um tyree kill last year consistently was like nine ten percent ahead in target share but waddle like you said is the kind of guy that he doesn't need a 30 percent target share to go out there and post a massive week he can get there on four or five catches um, and the efficiency upside is there with him more than probably anyone in the league on a weekly basis. Um, and the big encouraging thing for me, and this could have just been matchup based, we'll see, but Mike McDaniel was talking all offseason about how the Dolphins want to run the ball more. And obviously with Tyreek and with Waddle um, and, and then Raheem Mostert at running back, they don't really have the personnel to do that. They have the personnel to air it out. And then in week one, they came out and had the second highest pass rate over expectation in the league. So I think that's a great sign for Waddle and for Tyreek and Tua too, um, because we saw how dominant they were last year before Tua had the, that concussion trouble. Um, so yeah, I, I think if anyone's panicking over Waddle right now, uh, I think that now is a great time to go get him. I'm not sure. I, I always, at least my experience in, in my leagues is that people don't really trade their like first, second, third round pick, unless it was like the worst performance imaginable. Um, but if you could get Waddle for one of these guys below him, 
like a, like a Debo or someone who, who played better than him, um, then I think I'd be, I'd, I'd want Waddle in that transaction. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you could get this done, but if someone wanted to give me Jalen Waddle for Garrett Wilson, I mean, I would definitely do that now that Aaron Rodgers is out. Like, definitely prefer Jalen Waddle to Garrett Wilson. And maybe you can try to sell them that Garrett Wilson is such an alpha. Look at the catch that he made and, and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, that's what's hard about this, honestly, guys, is like, you got to feel out the trades for yourself. I have no idea if Tom from the gas station in New Jersey thinks that he needs to give up on Garrett Wilson. Uh, or he should be, you know, trading for Garrett Wilson or not. You know, that's something you're going to have to feel out on your own, I think. Um, Bengals pass game, Mark. I mean, this was not great weather. This was not a great matchup. Joe Burrow was coming off the calf issue, which I don't know was a factor. I don't think that it was. But man, they were awful. Now, I'm a huge Joe Burrow guy. I think both T and Jamar Chase are awesome. I can't see really anyone panicking on T Higgins. I feel like maybe in you know, five years ago in fantasy football, people might've now, I think people understand better that you should not be panicking on T Higgins, but yeah, I have no worries there. Do you, and any trades maybe you think you can make for T Higgins? No worries at all. Um, you know, similar to, to Minnesota, the, the Bengals passing game, one of the most condensed and voluminous in the NFL. So just one we want to bet on week in and week out, both Jamar Chase and T Higgins were out there on 100% of the routes with Joe Burrow. So really no question about about the volume incoming. Obviously, a, a goose egg in week one is, is a really tough blow and, and something you hate to see. Um, in terms of trades, you know, as Jack mentioned, I think it's probably pretty tough to pry someone like T Higgins out after after one down week. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the bummer of weather there. Everyone kind of talking about how Joe Burrow is notorious for slow starts to the season and, and the calf injury and everything. So, um, you know, in terms of trades, like I'd definitely be willing to, you know, if you could if you could trade Garrett Wilson for, for T Higgins again, that's probably something I would do. Um, so kind of in that realm, but, you know, certainly might be a tough guy to pry. Uh, if you could trade like DeAndre Hopkins for T Higgins, you know, he saw, I think, 13 targets in week one. And, and while the target share for him is probably going to be strong, we certainly want to bet on you know, youth and, and T Higgins and, and his profile. So, um, you know, those are, those are two that could potentially come to mind. John says, I tried to get a trade off my buddy, Jameer Gibbs for Madison. This dude quoted word for word, Evan Silva back to me, LOL. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's about game selection guys. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find the leagues where, uh, where they're not listening to Silva. Okay. Uh, want to get to dead zone running backs in a second, but I did want to talk about bears running back. Cause I do think, and it's an interesting time to get out before it's too late from Khalil Herbert. Now, maybe this is a hot take, but I think that Roshan Johnson, it is not going to take long for this guy to have a real role. And I understand he did not play until garbage time in week one. He smashed. I mean, just jumped off the screen. Looks so much better than Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. By the time it gets to week four or week five, I could see Roshan and Herbert being in some evenish committee with Roshan getting all the pass down work. And at that time, it's going to be too late to dump Cleo Herbert. So if you have Cleo Herbert here, um, I would be looking to see what you can get for him. I don't know what you could, uh, but yeah, I'd be looking to add Roshan and try to trade Herbert before it's too late. Uh, Jack, I know you're a Chicago guy. Any thoughts on that one? I thought the most concerning thing for Herbert was how we heard all offseason that Deontay Foreman was maybe on the roster bubble, not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden he's in a, a two to one split or a one to two split, I guess, with uh, Kalila Herbert in week one. I, I do think that since we have proof now that Herbert is not a workhorse, 
he's not worth the ADP you paid for him. I don't think he's going to go completely down the drain. I mean, he's been an efficient runner throughout his career. We saw him have effective weeks last year, even though he was backing up David Montgomery. So even if Roshan comes on a little bit, I don't think it's going to be like a situation where Khalil Herbert is, is all of a sudden a zero every week. Um, but I, I definitely do think that if you paid in, in eighth round ADP, eighth round price tag for him, um, it, he's probably not going to live up to that. And if you can find someone who's willing to give you a value, like a trade package with an eighth round value or ninth round value, um, I'd probably try to get out. Agreed. Okay. And the dead zone running backs had usage that was a bit all over the place. Some guys that come to mind, Damian Pierce, uh, Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams wasn't really dead zone, but uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Dave Montgomery, um, all had varying levels of usage here. I think the one that was most disappointing to me probably was Damian Pierce losing 19 routes to Mike Boone. I mean, and I love Mike Boone. I mean, trust me, I'm a Mike Boone guy. He was like one of the first all preseason guys, but my God, not only is Damian Pierce getting siphoned off by Devin Singletary for some snaps in base, but he's also getting siphoned off in the past game some by Mike Boone. That is massively concerning to me. Now, I don't know what you can really do if you have Damian Pierce here. I'm not sure people are going to be wanting to acquire him for very much. I don't want to sell low on Damian Pierce. They'll certainly have better matchups going forward than at Baltimore. So, Mark, what do you think if you have Damian Pierce right now? Well, the reason we were excited you know, potentially about Damian Pierce becoming a workhorse back this year. And the, you know, obviously CJ Stroud top pick for the Texans new coaching staff. We were expecting kind of a revamping of the offense. And then we're also betting on the offensive line to be strong. Uh, They're in the top half of Brandon Thorne's rankings initially. And then they suffered several key injuries along the offensive line. You know, they're missing uh, two key starters to IR, which is a huge blow for them. And then now you mix in, um, you know, you mentioned Mike Boone getting some pass down work and obviously they brought in Devin Singletary in the offseason. So kind of the workhorse path and efficiency path, you know, that we were hoping for for Pierce has has gone by the wayside a little bit here. Um, you know, it's it's certainly more of like a, a sell low or just hold and, you know, hope hope that the offensive line health comes back a bit and they get healthier as the season goes along and this offense starts to click a bit a bit more. But um, it's it's certainly not a great you know, spot to be in with Damian Pierce. I, I would, I would lean hold or, or probably sell a little bit low, but not necessarily someone I'm, I'm going to trade for, you know, hoping that the season like goes that much better for him. A lot of questions about the Lions stuff, Jack. Um, I wasn't surprised, man. I, I thought this was as expected. And like, if you drafted Jameer Gibbs end of round three, round four in full PPR, I'd still be pretty happy with that. I mean, we have not tanked Jameer Gibbs whatsoever. We still have him. 34th overall if you watch the game on Thursday I mean I am no tape bro but you only have to have two eyes to see that Jameer Gibbs is a baller and going to be a problem for people in the NFL now I also thought I mean David Montgomery was in my perfect draft I drafted so much David Montgomery I don't think he's going to be explosive but you saw what he can do they trust him better in pass protection they trust him more around the goal line etc so I understand why people are worried about Jameer Gibbs he's also going to be better indoors on the turf I think the entire offense We'll be better there. So yeah, I'd be trying to trade for Jameer Gibbs. I don't think I'd be giving round three value for it though, right? Like if someone wanted to give me Jameer Gibbs for someone that I like to win in round four or round five in the draft, to me, that is much, much, much better. But Jack, any thoughts on handling 
Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs? Because there's probably people out there who think you should be selling Dave Montgomery at the same time you're buying Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty much the same equation as it was uh, during the draft where Montgomery is going to be the primary guy on early downs, especially early in the season. Um, and then I, I think it, for people looking to sell Montgomery, I don't think I would do that because I think he's going to get carries all season long in a good offense. And then if something happens to Jameer Gibbs, all of a sudden that's a top six or eight running back, which I think was pretty much the same uh, same thing as it was a week ago when everyone drafted him. Um, and then on Gibbs, I was a little surprised at how little he was involved as a receiver and on long down and distance stuff. But I think that this is a staff that is probably going to ease him in. Dan Campbell basically said as much, but we saw how excited they were when they drafted him. And then it was obvious how much more explosive he was than David Montgomery in week one. Um, so I'm with you. I, I would be going out and getting Jameer Gibbs if the person in your league that has him is down on him after seeing how little he touched the ball in week one. I would probably, I mean, he was like a mid third round pick in, in a lot of drafts. I think I'd be fine paying like early fourth round value for him and pretty much any of the running backs that got drafted after him, like a, a Najee Harris or even a Ramondre, um, except for Travis Etienne, who we already touched on. I, I'd be fine trading them for Jameer Gibbs right now. I think the concern on Gibbs that people have is they think, maybe rightfully so, that Dan Campbell is on the same spectrum of Arthur Smith. Team is going to win games. Team is going to be good. But coach does not care whatsoever where he drafted a guy or how good we think he is or how much we think he can help the team. If Dave Montgomery goes out there and he grinds out four yards of carry, he doesn't fumble, he pass protects, he's going to stick out there, right? And I think that's what people think about the Jameer Gibbs stuff. I don't agree there. I have way more faith in the Lions offensive staff than the Falcons. So yeah, Hunter asked, should I give up Cleo Herbert and Cortland Sutton to go for Jameer Gibbs? Any thoughts on that one, Mark? Yeah, that sounds like a, a perfect trade to me. I would, I would love to swap those two and and go up for Gibbs. You know, you're kind of getting the best player in the deal and, and consolidating a bit. And you know, it looks like Jerry Judy is going to come back from this hamstring injury a little bit earlier than you know we might have expected going into the season. So that that is certainly a trade I would do. Oh, I, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say I, I think that Corlin Sutton's an awesome sell right now. I mean, for him not to earn targets with Jerry Judy out there and that he's competing against like little Jordan Humphrey and Brandon Johnson for Corlin Sutton not to go out and dominate targets to me was scary for Corlin Sutton. I'd definitely be trying to sell him now. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't with Gibbs, I don't think it's going to be a thing where in week two, like the the, the, flip, the script flips and all of a sudden he's getting like even work with David Montgomery. I think it's going to be a slow September for Jameer Gibbs and maybe there's still a buying opportunity in a week, but he's a big play waiting to happen and, and it could happen at any time. And I think that he's going to earn more work throughout the season and, and come November and December and that first week of January, which is the most important time of the year for fantasy. I, I think Gibbs is going to be a, a huge contributor for the Lions and in fantasy. Okay. We want to do a segment this year. We're going to try to keep this up every week. Trades to make. We're each going to go through, we're each going to go around the table and we're each going to give two trades to make. I will go first here, and no one's going to want to hear this. Trade market is tough, man. Sometimes you got to sell players that you like. I was taking Brees Hall. Every time Brees Hall got to me in round four, almost every time I was taking him, I was 100% taking him every time he got to me in round five. I personally believe Zach Wilson should be back in groceries at Safeway, not playing NFL quarterback. That's just my take. I could be wrong. 
that, that that's just my take. I thought it was irresponsible for them not to go get an actual backup like the 49ers did. At least Sam Darnold uh, can throw the football um, like tons of other teams did. Jared Stidham. I mean, a- anyone, right? Aaron Rodgers, part of the thesis for me, at least on Brees Hall was not just that he's awesome and was this ridiculously good prospect. Aaron Rodgers has been so fantasy friendly to running backs through his career, whether it be through checking to the right run, whether it be through checkdowns to the running back position, which he has a very high rate of, or just by getting his team in scoring position to score more touchdowns, period. Under Zach Wilson, all that's out the window. I mean, he is a total mess. And I think that's going to flow through to Brees Hall. If anyone watched the game, and by the way, freaking 23 million people watched their game on Monday night. So everybody watched the game. They are going to be falling all over themselves to get Brees Hall, I think, even though the entire situation to me has changed now. So we have Brees Hall up at 33 overall. I don't think we can have him lower than that. I think that's probably right, but I just do not have a great feeling with the systemic risk. And by the way, the Jets have an absolutely brutal, brutal schedule going forward. I mean, Zach Wilson, like, dude could just implode into ether. And then what are they going to do? Like, go get Carson Wentz or something like that? I mean, they play at Cowboys versus Patriots versus Chiefs at Broncos versus Eagles at Giants over the next couple months. So I hate trading away Brees Hall. I love Brees Hall. It's just, I can't with the Zach Wilson stuff. And I, if you're, if people are valuing Brees Hall as if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, I would do it. So like a trade, the trade that I would make ideally would be give up Brees Hall and get Jalen Waddle. Like easy, give up Brees Hall, get Jalen Waddle. Unfortunately, it's hard for me to do that because I'm so thin at running back on all my teams anyways. So, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, in theory, that's what, that's what I would do. All right. That's my first trade. I know I went long there. We can keep the rest of them shorter. Mark, go ahead on your, uh, on your first trade that you would do. Uh, I mean, I have, I have so much breeze. So it's a uh, gosh. It's uh, I mean, I'm just wringing my hands over here. Not sure what to do. Like to take though. Um, my first one is going to be uh, that. I, I also think this is going to go, you know, not, not over, very well uh, with the public, but that's going to be to sell high on George Pickens. And this is this timing, I think, is kind of perfect to do this because Deontay Johnson just went down with a hamstring injury. It came out today. He's likely going to miss up to a month. And, you know, while it's easy to say, oh, wow, George Pickens is going to pick up all this volume. I just I just don't think that's going to be George Pickens, you know, use case in the NFL. We've seen it just under Matt Canada. He continues to, to run these low percentage routes down the field. On, hugging the sideline has to make amazing acrobatic catches and like I love George Pickens talent you know he, he's certainly extremely talented he's going to have some spike weeks for sure but I think this is this is you know just a great sell high opportunity again with Deontay going down and every time this offseason I would get excited about the Steelers offense I would just have you know like Matt Canada Matt Canada Matt Canada ringing in my head and, and that showed true again in week one I, I just I just you know kind of want to sell sell high on this Pittsburgh offense while I can play in a really tough division in terms of defenses. We saw, you know, Cleveland shut down Cincinnati in week one, Cincinnati themselves have a good defense, Baltimore, no slouch as well. So uh, this is, this is an opportunity. I, I just think I want to sell high on Pickens. You know, people are going to be valuing him as a, a wide receiver too. And I think you could get back some, some pretty solid value. Like I, I think you could probably get a Kenneth Walker back for him if you wanted, um, you know, so I, I think it's a good opportunity to sell high on him. I actually was looking for George Pickens' uh, next-gen route chart uh, from week one because I just wanted to tweet it so I could show people. Matt Cannon is adult, man. I mean, you have George Pickens. You cannot ask him to run clear out. They're treating him like freaking Michael Gallup. He runs up the sideline and he prays, you know? I mean, that's not, that's not an offense. So I totally agree. People are going to be 
over, I agree with Mark people. And especially in DFS, I think people are gonna be overvaluing George Pickens with Deontay Johnson out. Jack, go ahead with your first trade. Yeah, I'm going to say go out and try to get Nico Collins. Um, he had a 25% target share in week one last year with Brandon Cooks out. We saw him consistently post target share, target shares in the 20s. He had a 14.4 A dot on uh, on those 11 targets. He was He's third in the league in air yards right now. The Texans are not going to throw the ball 44 times every week, but I think the fact that he's earning a mid-20s target share um, and getting downfield targets, unlike someone like Robert Woods, who posted uh, similar target numbers, but not as much downfield. Um, I think that's really encouraging. The The competition he has for targets right now is Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, um, Noah Brown is, is now on IR. Uh, they do have Tank Dell and John Mechie, um, who, who could become bigger factors uh, throughout the season. But I think Nico Collins is the only guy uh, among the younger players who has shown the ability to actually earn targets at an NFL level. And he's earning valuable targets given that they're coming down the field, um, at, at least in a vacuum. We'll see how, how valuable they are if Stroud struggles to get him the ball. But I'd be going out and I'd be getting Nico Collins. I think he's a flex moving forward. We have him at wide receiver 49. I, I think he's probably slightly more valuable than that. And if you're in a pinch, you can, you can already start him because he's a safe bet for volume. All right. Trading for Nico Collins for Jack. By the way, you see on the screen there, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, Puka Nakua and Nico Collins are back to back here. I've heard some like, seem to be misinformed takes on Puka Nakua. Dude can play outside. I mean, he played like a majority of his snaps outside in week one. When Cooper Cup returns, I don't think that Puka Nakua is going away. So, uh, you know, if people think that Puka Nakua is just a short-term thing, and Cooper Cup's going to come back and completely dust him. I, I don't think that's true. So, yeah, I, I like being high on Puka rest of season here. My second trade is to be and go out and get the guy that everybody hated before the season, and that is Anthony Richardson. Not only is this guy going to be immediately one of the best runners of the football at the quarterback position. He had six design runs, two carries from inside the five-yard line, and would have had another probably tush-push touchdown if he didn't bruise his knees mildly. He's going to be fine. There, at the end, they brought Gardner Minshew in to kind of throw the ball away. Um, not only is he just elite, elite, elite as a runner, the Colts are playing maybe at the fastest pace in the league, and, and they had like a really strong first-down throw rate which I think is good for their confidence. Andy Richardson was able to complete 65% of his passes. Now, yeah, a lot of that was really short, but still, man, if he can complete 65% of his passes with this scheme, playing this fast and having this goal line work, I want to go out and get Anthony Richardson. Now, the reason I think you might actually be able to get him is because most people in these like home league settings, styles, they draft two quarterbacks, even though they don't need to. You know, like people will take like Patrick Mahomes and then they'll also take Anthony Richardson, which to me is just like torching a pick. But at this point, they'd be like, oh, well, this is why I drafted Anthony Richardson, so I could trade him. So, yeah, if you could give up Cortland Sutton to get Anthony Richardson, that would be a deal I would take right now if my quarterback was something like Daniel Jones, um, Dak, Cousins, Geno. Uh, to me, I would go out and make the move to get Anthony Richardson and try to – we know the floor is going to be there. You're going to get 10, 15 points every week. See if you can find the elite ceiling on Anthony Richardson. Mark, trade two. 
This one's a, a little nuanced because I think if you're one to know, I would go out and buy Christian Watson right now. Um, there's a good chance that whoever drafted Christian Watson is is likely 0-1 because they spent you know a top five round pick on him and he didn't play in week one. And I think this is just a great play for you know kind of mid to end of season upside. Uh, you know, the Packers played the Bears week one, which isn't a great test in terms of defensive strength, but you know, they certainly showed that the offense is capable of producing Jordan Love looks solid. And uh, I, I just want to continue to bet on this Green Bay offense being, you know, above average and, and undervalued in fantasy. So I think, you know, it's a team's 0-1 with Christian Watson. It looks like he probably won't play again this week, most likely back in, in week three or four, given his hamstring injury. And I think this is just a good time to go out and buy him early on and, and kind of play the long game here. I think he's, you know, extremely talented, obviously had a breakout rookie season. And I think, I think the volume should be pretty high for him not competing against really anyone else of, of high caliber in green Bay there. So go out and buy Christian Watson while he's still hurt. Yeah. Uh, I like Christian Watson so much. It's just like, whenever I think about it, like my, my blood pressure rises because I am on such tilt about the Christian Watson being hurt stuff, but I still am very optimistic. And I thought the way Jordan love played in week one and yeah, it was against the bears was pretty optimistic there. I know like in the comments, you know, Joe says Nico Collins on my waiver wire uh, uh, somebody said, uh, I traded Romeo Dobbs for Drake London. I think that's a steal. I would agree. I'd much rather have Drake London than Romeo Dobbs. My point is that with everybody who in the chat is like, what are you talking about? You'd never get a trade like that through. Who would give up Romeo Dobbs for, for who would give up Drake London for Romeo Dobbs? Just take a breath and realize everybody's league is different. All right, guys, it's gonna be impossible for us to ha help everybody's league entirely. Jack, your second and final trade. Yeah, my second one was the Gibbs we talked about earlier. So I've got a couple uh, just quick ones, I guess. Um, I, I would go out and get Javante Williams. Um, I think he had 13 carries and four catches in week one, even though it was his first week back from a, a pretty catastrophic knee injury. The reports on Javante all offseason were glowing almost to the point where they were unbelievable. But then they go out in week one and give him 17 touches. I am not enough of a medical expert to know if 17 touches is going to like make his knee explode again in, in week four. But I, I think if Sean Payton and the Broncos trust him to handle that type of workload right off the bat, it's a pretty good sign. Samaj P. Ryan did still get the third down two minute stuff. Uh, I think Javante Williams, we saw before the injury, he's a pretty special player. And so that's something where I could see the role growing both as he gets healthier and as he proves himself to be a better player straight up than Samadji Piran. And we've seen what Sean Payton has done with running backs in the past. Obviously, Russell Wilson still looked kind of cooked on Sunday. So that's not a great sign. Um, but I, I think that his usage overall was pretty encouraging. And then the second one is maybe more of an ad, but I think getting Tajay Spears on your roster is, is a good idea. He was the third down back um, right in the role that Dontre Hilliard played in last year that gave him a high single digits Target Cherry actually outsnapped Derrick Henry. Um, I think getting that workload right off the bat proves that if something happens to Henry, who's 29 and has just a massive career workload, um, Tajay is going to be basically an every down back on a run heavy offense. Um, so that would be, I guess, my third one. <laughs> yeah, I like, but I like those. My my biggest bull case on Javante is that running back target share. I mean, they and this is going back to preseason. I mean, they love, love, love throwing it to Javante Williams. They also threw it a bunch to Pirine here. Four targets for Pirine, six for Javante Williams on a day that Russell Wilson only threw it 
34 times. I mean, that is a ton going to running back. And I don't think that's a fluke. I actually think that's by design. Javante Williams is an awesome, awesome pass catcher. Awesome in the screen game. All right. We have about five minutes here. We'll get to as many questions for the people if you can. For you guys listening to this on audio, be sure you subscribe to our YouTube. You'll know when this goes live and you will be able to get in here and hopefully ask your question. Uh, I saw one that I wanted to answer. Uh, Izzo says, would you trade TJ Hawkinson for Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews? I'd rather have Mark Andrews than Hawkinson straight up. So that would be kind of a no-brainer for me. Would you guys agree there? Well, it looks like Hawkinson and Hollywood for Mark Andrews. Oh, Hawkinson and Hollywood. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, go Um, ahead, Mark. It's close. I would would lean, yes, I would do that. Um, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty still around Mark Andrews just in this new offense. Like, you know, we saw Zay Flowers obviously have massive target share in week one. So it's potential that, that the Ravens could start throwing to their wide receivers more. But, um, you know, in, in terms of like, like, I certainly think Andrews is a better bet at tight end than Hawkinson. And then with Hollywood, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to do with this Arizona passing game. I, I'd be willing to sell Hollywood. I'm, I'm not sure there's going to be many weeks that you feel confident starting him obviously the quarterback play is going to be pretty suspect there and uh you know we just saw them give Zach Ertz 10 targets in week one so I I, I don't know I you know we, we were certainly high on Hollywood all offseason but he's I, I think I'd be willing to do that trade yeah I think I would too there are outs for Hollywood I mean Kyler Murray could be back in week five you never know he could get traded um you never know this team is clearly tanking so there's certainly outs for Hollywood to get there but he would not stop me certainly for making that trade. And, and yeah, so I think I would do that one as well. Let's go here from Alpha. Easy on the language, Alpha. He says, Zay Flowers and Puka Nakua for David Montgomery. Give up Zay Flowers and Puka for David Montgomery. Man, that sounds like a lot to me. You would have to be pretty desperate at running back to do that, I think. Jack, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I definitely would not do that. I'm pretty high on Zay. And Puka, um, Zay obviously had a massive target share in week one. Uh, a little bit flying under the radar, I think, is that all of his targets were like three yards down the field, which isn't great. But still, I mean, he's only going to get better. He's They made a clear effort to get him involved. And then Puka, obviously, just dominance in week one. Um, like you said, could have a role when Cup gets back. And I think that Cup has some risk of not playing a whole lot this year. Um, so I definitely would not do that. Uh, Vetro says, who will be the wide receiver one through the rest of the season, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton? I don't think that one's close. I mean, the data is very, very clear. When these guys have played together, Jerry Judy is the one that earns targets. We have Jerry Judy up at 48th overall, Cortland Sutton at 87th overall. Uh, I think that's a pretty easy one there. Let's see. Uh, Dylan says, trade Derrick Henry and Brandon Ayuk for Nick Chubb and Terry McLaurin. He's looking for a blockbuster Right out of the gate, Derek Henry and Ayuk for Nick Chubb and McLaurin. Certainly, I think Nick Chubb is slightly better just systemically. And also, man, I mean, Nick Chubb has seen 10 targets in his last two games with Deshaun Watson. Um, I'd rather have Ayuk than McLaurin, but I don't think that's like a total slam dunk. Mark, any thoughts on this one from Dylan? Trade Derek Henry and Brandon Ayuk. I'm servicing the audio listeners, by the way. Trade Derrick Henry and Brandon Ayuk for Nick Chubb and Terry McLaurin. This is full PPR. It's definitely close. Um, 
I think, you know, I, I prefer Chubb over Henry. And as you said, Ayuk over McLaurin. So I think it's a, a pretty even deal for both sides. Uh, you know, in terms of Ayuk, obviously outrageous week one game. Uh, but I, I don't know how, how, you know, continuous his volume is going to be throughout the season. Obviously they have Debo, Kittle, CMC there. So I think, you know, his, his volume could be a little wishy-washy week to week. So I would, I would lean towards doing that just because um, I love Nick Chubb and, and like certainly the passing game volume he got in week one was exciting. We'll see if that's sticky at all. But um, I, I think I would probably do that deal just because, you know, Jack mentioned with his Ty J Spears comment too. Derek Henry, I think the workload could be dialed back for him a bit this year in bad offensive line. I'd rather have Nick Chubb and then McLaurin, I don't think is too, too much worse than Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. One thing I would say on the Derrick Henry stuff, I never write off the Titans because I think Mike Vrabel is like an awesome, awesome, awesome coach. So I never write, write them off. But just on paper, it could go really bad for this team. And if it goes really bad for this team, like totally sideways, like two and seven or something, it's not going to be great for Derrick Henry, obviously. So yeah, I, I like that. Um, Destiny says, would we trade Javante Williams straight up for Big Mike? This is 12-team full PPR. Of course, Destiny is referring to Big Mike Williams. Um, interesting one there, Jack. I don't know. Do you have a take on Big Mike for Javante straight up? Looks like she is a little bit weak at wide receiver here. Lockett, Dotson, Alave, Cooks. Not terrible. Not terrible, but Lockett, Dotson, Alave, Cooks she has at wide receiver. Yeah, that one's pretty pretty tight. I think with Bijan and Pollard on the roster, uh, I think I'd take Big Mike there because the, beyond Olave, I mean, I guess Dotson, Lockett, and Cooks are a decent group. Um, but I think with Bijan and Pollard, I think you're pretty decent at running back. And if one of those guys gets hurt, um, you'd be in really bad shape anyway. And I'm not sure Javante is going to solve that problem, um, especially with, with Stevenson also. So I, I think I'd take Big Mike there. Yeah, we have Big Mike 42 overall still. Javante Williams 52. I just do have some concerns on Big Mike that with all these guys there that are good, Keenan, Eckler, Everett, they got Donald Parham, shout out Team XFL, involved. They obviously haven't gotten Quentin Johnston released into the wild yet. It's just a lot for Big Mike, man, to, to kind of overcome these guys that are awesome, awesome, awesome target earners. So I do have some concerns about Big Mike, but given Destiny's situation, I agree. I think I would do that one. Uh, Sell Ayuk High. I know we just talked about that one a little bit. Going back to last year, I mean, him and Purdy have had a thing going on. And Ayuk is uh, clearly very, very good. You can go back and listen to the uh, podcast we did before the season with Matt Harmon to get some more like tape bro stuff on Brandon Ayuk. But yeah, I don't want to sell him high. The trade that we just talked about before I thought was fine. But uh, yeah, I don't necessarily just want to sell high on back. Mims on Ayuk in a, in a vacuum. Um, we're going to skip dynasty questions here, guys, because we are not uh, dynasty bros uh, per se. We all play dynasty, but that we are not our specialty. Amico is our specialist on this. And also, if you have DraftKit Pro, you have access to our dynasty trade calculator. So um, you would go up to the NFL season long section. There's a link there to our dynasty trade calculator. All right, we'll take like two more questions here Manuel says Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson for AJ Brown now you're giving up a lot you're giving up both Jets though this would be a trade Jack saying that we're giving up on the Jets completely we're giving up Brees Hall and we're giving up Garrett Wilson to get AJ Brown what do you think about that one I think I'd hold on to the Jets um like you I'm not particularly high on them rest of season with Zach Wilson at quarterback 
but I think giving out two players who are probably third round caliber right now for someone who is going um, like early second round in, in most drafts, I think that's a bit too much. Okay. I have, uh, I have a, I have a take on uh, Garrett Wilson in general. I think, you know, I, I don't think the Jets front office is going to sit back and watch Zach Wilson play quarterback for the Jets this whole season. So, you know, I think they're going to try and throw him to the Wolves this weekend. They play on the road at Dallas, which is, you know, we saw him on, on uh, Sunday night against the Giants, just a brutal matchup. So I think they're going to throw Zach Wilson to the Wolves there. And then I would I would be looking to trade for Garrett Wilson early next week, like on Monday, you know, set a reminder on your phone for Monday to, to text a Garrett Wilson owner and, and try and trade for him then because I think it's probably going to be a rough week for the Jets offense and then I think in the next couple of weeks the Jets are going to try and make some sort of move at quarterback obviously that's unknown you know free agents and and potential trades might not be that big of an upgrade but it's certainly going to be an upgrade over Zach Wilson so I think uh, trading for Garrett Wilson like next week is, is going to be a sharp move all right last one we're going to do here is from Francis he says uh well, we're going to have to start identifying our Zays here, Francis. Zay Flowers or Zay Jones? I think you're saying Zay Flowers here, maybe. But uh, let's say Zay Flowers and Don Kincaid for Kenneth Walker. That is the question. Zay Flowers and Don Kincaid for Kenneth Walker. Francis says he's running back needy. He has Evan Ingram. He's comfy at wide receiver, except for London. Mark, what do you think about this one? Zay Flowers and Don Kincaid for Kenneth Walker. I would do that deal. Yeah. I think, I think Kenneth Walker is the best player in that deal. Certainly some concern around the Seattle offensive line since they lost both starting tackles in in week one. Uh, So I am a little bit concerned there, but the usage for Kenneth Walker in week one was great. Uh, We know his explosive ability in the run game. And then there is, you know, with Zay Flowers, the chance that Mark Andrews comes back and, you know, takes over 25% of the targets and, and Zay Flowers is still in kind of a mix there with the wide receivers. So I, I like that deal. And with Kincaid, you know, the usage was solid for him in week one, but he's not going to be, uh, you know, like the the go-to target, I don't think, at any point as long as Stephon Diggs is healthy there. I mean, the usage was solid in terms of routes run, but he, he had six air yards in the game. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, like they were using him like he can't get down the field uh, whatsoever. So yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not that optimistic on Don Kincaid like breaking out as a rookie here with his role. Okay. Before we get out of here, reminder to everyone, head to establish the run.com forward slash subscribe. You can get full access to our top 150 rankings. You can get access to our dynasty rankings. You can get access to our uh, dynasty trade calculator for the dynasty stuff. You do need draft kit pro, not the in season package in season is for all of the projections, top plays, Friday night show, Saturday show, Sunday shows, etc. Etc. And all of Silva's matchups are also part of in season. All right. This was fun. Went a little long. I think we should try to keep it a little bit shorter going forward. But it's always a fun exercise to think about how we would think about ranking players now if the season started today. We know infinitely more than we knew seven days ago. I'll be back. You know what? I actually won't be back. Only back until Friday night. Friday night, I'll be with Silva and Wiggins for establish the show for in-season subscribers. Be sure to check out the team-by-team pods that I did with Silva yesterday. I think if you need to just get caught up on the NFL in an hour and a half and what happened in week one from a fantasy football perspective, taking the time to listen to those two team-by-teams I think will go a long way. I, of course, am not biased at all. For Mark, for Jack, for producer Adam, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.